Um, I'm in conversation today with Katie Sharp, who is an artist living in California. Katie is also a long-standing friend of mine, who, and we met um, as trainees, as cabin crew, um, flight attendant, um, and that was nearly nine years ago. And we have some shared experiences, and we want to explore. We want to explore those because we have started in a certain point that was the same and we've ended up living in America um, but with very different contexts and experiences but we thought it would be fun to look at those together. Thank you Katie. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. So I would like to hear a little bit about what even brought you to California because I don't think when you were cabin crew you were planning to live overseas were you? Oh no absolutely not I think I'd just come out of university college I'd done German actually um, at uni and I got the travel bug when I did my year abroad and I went I was to and from Vienna quite a lot back home um, just because you know you could it was a two-hour flight um, and I, I you know I'd look at the flight attendants and be like oh I could do this um, but I was quite settled in England you know no plans to leave again um, I just wanted to have that opportunity after I graduated to travel so I was like, right, this is what I'm going to do. And then um, probably probably a year later, I met my husband, who's from um, who's from here. And he was doing his master's in England. I think people always have this assumption that we had some kind of romantic meeting on an aeroplane. <laughs> and I'm like, no, we met on OK Cupid, <laughs> where, we, where I was living in Brighton. And yeah, we just, we were together for pretty much the whole time. Well, yeah, almost the whole time he was doing his master's and then um, he came home and I followed him probably two or three years later. Mm. So you moved to California before COVID? Right before. So I moved, I got married in October, 2019. That's when I moved here. Um, The shutdown started for us in California or where I was in California at the time. It was, I think it was March, 2020. So I'd been there five months um it was like bam closed yeah crazy mm. and and is is that something you look back on and think is from where you're at now do you look back and think that was quite fortuitous that you'd made the move at that time given that covid was an unforeseen phenomenon yeah I think so I mean it was difficult and, and this is something you and I have talked about when you don't know your visa status and for me they very quickly came out saying we're not going to issue any green cards um which meant I couldn't go home and I couldn't work and so I was just kind of this housewife and it, it, it like totally turned any idea I had of what my identity was on my head completely because I, you know at 18 years old I strolled out the door in Lincolnshire said bye mum and dad and was like just completely independent ever since and then all of a sudden I was in this um I was in this tiny flat as a housewife reliant on my husband for transport for money for everything and I definitely had my moments where I was like god if I'd just come if I'd just come a bit earlier maybe my paperwork had been processed earlier Mm. and I could have spent this time working or if I'd just gone later I could have just stayed at home with my family and you know me and Andre will be we would see each other a bit later on I know you've been long distance a lot with your husband and in your relationship and you you just kind of get used to like eight months becomes nothing, nine months becomes nothing. You just phone each other. And so I knew we'd be fine. But um, 
I don't know. Yeah. Was it fortuitous? Prob- yeah, I think looking back, probably it was. Probably it was good for me. I think it was probably good for our relationship in the long run. And I think just for me, I feel like I've having everything taken away from you like that and then building it all back up again, it was hard. Um, but I think in the long run, it's been quite beneficial. Mm. So to start off with, I think we'd, I didn't have a, I had my driving license from England, but there was nobody really, and this is a lot of being an immigrant, nobody really knows, can you be insured, insured on the car properly? Can you not? And then we were told I had to get my California license. But then they were like, no, you can't do it without a social security number, which I was waiting. It was all just kind of everywhere. So I would sort of be wanting to desperately go out. He would be wanting to sleep and I could not do a single thing without him. Um, you know, it's not like England. You don't just take the bus and off you go. Mm. <laughs> um, so that was really, really tough. And I feel like mentally it took quite a lot of fortitude to get through that because I could t- I could totally see it from Andre, from my husband's point of view. Yeah, he was tired and like his job's very physical. It's really hard. But then it was very difficult once he once the door was closed and he was at work to not feel like, well, woe is me. Poor me. And I mean, really, you have to you have to learn to get some perspective because then it's like, well, think about it. What poor me living in this beautiful apartment that a lot of Americans maybe can't afford because of this work your husband's doing. You that you know, there's a global pandemic, you don't have any work stress, that you you are okay. But I think sometimes still still just these like very basic like human needs that we have to interact with people, to be part of a community that that we were missing that I think it does impact you. Mm. Um, And then I think just at one point I was like, right, I I was so reliant on Andre and it it was really driving a wedge between us, not just the the actual reliance, but also mentally. I was like, you need to do this. I want you to be here. Like, let's, and it was just, it was so much for him that in the end, I just sort of said to myself, right, you you just forget about, not forget your husband, but like sort of put him to one side where it comes to your happiness, like you, you need to make it for yourself. Mm. Um, I mean, things changed a lot anyway because we bought um, our little condo, which it was in a different town and it's less. Um, it's a, just a little bit more close, a bit closer to the countryside. It's a bit mm. more suburban, so like I could get out and go hiking and just you know stuff like that. Um, but I, I really had to just like take control of myself and just be like, you can't you can't just be so so reliant on your partner all of the time and I didn't even realize that I was I think before we got married I would never have said to you that I was at all um and so I had to kind of reevaluate that and reevaluate what was important to me and kind of make my own way and then I think so the initial probably the first year was really tough and then after that when I just felt like just let him do what he wants let him don't get angry at him for being asleep don't like be annoyed that he's up at three o'clock in the morning watching tv just just leave him and do your own thing and I did and I started making friends while walking the dog and I started getting out more and exercising more and I think we were able to find a much happier medium then when I was happier and I wasn't bringing the mood down then he was as well and he I mean he was having a hard time with his job and I think for him to come home to a nice household that was relaxed and calm and there was no expectation and no judgment you know we we sort of muddled through it Mm. but like you said you you know you come over you assume a lot of things we thought yeah I'll have my, my visa in six months and it ended up being almost three years and um you I think 
we talk a lot like nowadays I think a lot of people do about being in a moment and how good it is for you and it really forced me to do that you can't just think like oh well in six months time I'll be working and I'll be doing it you 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 live so much in the future that isn't guaranteed and it really taught me to just like slow down and be like okay well what I mean what are you doing today what's going to make you happy today or what's going to make you feel good today like should we just should I go for a walk let's let's go and get a coffee or you know you just you start to become a much more grateful person a much more grounded person and I think you just stop like I just do not live my life at great speeds anymore before it's like the next thing the next thing you know oh I'm going to be a flight attendant now and I'm going here and then I'm going there and I'm going to come home and I went and did my teaching degree and I'm going to do that it was just like this all the time and now I'm just like oh what should we have for lunch like <laughs> I don't um so I, I think even going back to your first question about like was it quite fortuitous I think in that sense it is because even though it was hard now I have such a better appreciation of life for having gone through it mm. it I think you really had it compounded though because I've only been in America you know much less time than you over a year mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and I therefore wasn't during COVID so yeah yeah you know I I had the challenges of not being able to work and you know questioning my direction and and things like that but without the added constraint of COVID um and one of the things I that became very precious to me were the day-to-day meetings with people the random meetings I mean you know the conversation with the bus driver going to the yeah. bakery and they're not being yeah. a long queue and having time to talk to the cashier you know yeah those moments um and my the I don't know if I've ever told you this the people in my laundromat seriously became like second family they, yeah. they called me my friend every time I came in and obviously we were post-covid so they would hug me and um when I when I came in and I'm friendly and yeah they were friendly and I used to and this must sound really strange to anybody but I really enjoyed going to the laundromat because there was time to obviously do the laundry but there was time to connect with people nobody was going anywhere so the small pleasures um became very important the small interactions with people did you have a similar experience once you were emerging COVID yeah I think so I think you know when COVID started we kind of knew our neighbours um, and would say hello and then as things started to, to ease up a little bit we did get to know each other a bit more um, but it's really weird though I lived I lived quite close to San Francisco it was the little city that we lived in and it just seemed like a more I guess like a younger person's place like I'm 32 I just assumed we'd meet other people our age there's a lot of bars there's a lot of restaurants and stuff and I we just didn't really and then I moved to this like little rural or more rural town um and I met so many people just out walking my dog um and I really started to cherish just talking to people who they were on the way to work in the morning they were just walking the dog before work I found myself getting up you know really quite early sometimes when I'm a housewife (laughs) there's no need but um just to get those little adult conversations in um which was never anything particularly deep you know you're not sharing your hopes and dreams or anything you're just talking about how your day's been and you talk, even just talking about each other's dogs 
um just having those little moments of connection was so nice and again it took the pressure off my husband where in our first place it was just it was me and him to the second place where I was kind of I was fine and eventually met people who would like want to go hiking on a Saturday when he was at work which was great um and yeah it just it it is something that you really really start to to cherish and probably had I been doing that in England and made friends through walking the dog I probably wouldn't be thinking about it all day and be like oh that was such a nice morning whereas now I I I would Mm. yeah I think a lot of people felt like that from Covid anyway but definitely definitely being an immigrant here and being kind of stuck it was just nice to go and be be Katie outside Mm. And I don't know about you, maybe you felt like this, but sometimes with the waiting, I felt like my situation came before me. So sometimes you could talk to people and be like, oh, and have you heard anything yet? And you just go around the same thing of like, oh, no, still waiting on my visa. And um, I don't want to say people pitied me, but I think there definitely was kind of like a little bit of like, oh, you know, I hope hopefully you'll get it soon. And I just got so fed up with talking about it mm. and just being able to meet people. And I wanted to know about like where I'm from, like how am I Andre? And like, even like what kind of, my dog's called Annabelle, what kind of breed Annabelle is like being able to just do those things. And you're not, there's no, it's a low stakes situation. I would say, you know, you're not, you're not trying to put your best foot forward. It's not like some kind of posh dinner party or get together. Mm. It's, you know, you're at the laundrette, you're at the mm. laundromat, you know, you don't have just all, I don't know just all of that aspect gone and you, you can just have like casual conversations and just be yourself which is really really nice mm. yeah the, the, the thing about waiting really um strikes a chord with me because I really I'm a doer and I really fell into this pit of waiting yeah you know I, I was like oh okay I'll wait for this and we, oh, you need to, in my case, you need to pay a certain amount to apply for the right mm-hmm. to work visa. So, oh, well, I have to wait till we can afford that. Then I apply. Then, you know, so there was there was a lot of stages that involved waiting. And I'm a very impatient person. And there's a, a, a good side to being impatient, you know, means you get things done. And there's the downside. Yeah. So my patience was sorely tested, but the, um, and probably good for me to develop my patience. But in terms of the waiting side of things, I, I really shrank, you yes. know, as a person, yeah. I, I, I kind of lost my identity a little bit. I lost my way. And um, there was, a, you were talking about how frustrating it was to keep talking about jobs. There were moments when um, I had fun with that. People would, in America, it seems to be very important to say, a bit like in What you do. What do you yeah. do? And, yeah. um, and I would say, I do nothing. And I had so much yeah. freedom in that statement. I don't think they had freedom. I think they'd be like, what? What do you mean you do nothing? And the standard response was, but you must do something. And I'd say, yes, yeah, I do do lots of things. I just don't work. But, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, but that was quite, quite funny because I realised how much stock is put on what you do. And obviously there's a very strong work ethic here. People work incredibly hard no matter what yeah. their job is and they don't have tons of holiday, et cetera. So, you know, it, it, you almost didn't fit in. And if anything, that impacts that sense of shrinking. 
know yeah because you can't you can't just um I don't know it's such a small question that you say and people are like oh that's interesting and then you you kind of move along um and it's just that really crucial part of conversation in the United States that you just can't really participate in oh I don't work and then it's like why not oh well it's my visa and then you're going down this road again and it yeah it's it's weird and I think sometimes did you find people would get like a little bit probing sometimes oh well have you got children and I'm like no oh yeah just wash my husband's just wash my husband's yeah (laughs) I would just get a very emphasized well what do you do (laughs) yeah yeah and then it would be like well when you get your green card then what are you gonna do and I'm like um but even like I mean we're saying this about it's such a big part of American culture but actually I've always worked um since you know being in my teens and you don't realize how much of a, a part of your identity it does become mm. when you don't have a job yet and I think it's I see this so much people say like wearing it as a badge of honor I've worked since I was a teenager and I've never been unemployed and then all of a sudden you're in this situation and it's like oh I didn't realize that had been so important to me but I guess it was mm. um so that kind of ma- makes you reevaluate yourself with it I guess mm. yeah. and, and in that reevaluating of you know that space between the questions of what do you do and the fact that you couldn't work how did you start to explore what your future would look like that's now your present how did you get to where you are now oh my gosh that's so interesting that's a very interesting question you know I think like I sort of touched on earlier I really had to get have a bit of a a crossword with myself and say leave your husband alone like you're only responsible for yourself like what what are you going to do to make a difference? You know, you're finding this difficult, you're finding it isolating, what will you do? And I think I started, I used to paint and draw and I did it all the way up through school. And so I started drawing more and painting more and just for fun, really. Um, Pass the time, give me something to occupy myself with and also like get me away from screams, which is Mm. such a modern problem, isn't it? But you've got nothing to do. It's just all day. Um, so I started drawing and painting, um, which ended up being um, generally friends and family I started doing, I was practicing on, and then I moved on to the dog, obviously, which then moved into, you know, other people have done celebrities and, and pets and stuff and just exploring that creative side of me. And I, you know what, it's been so lovely because I feel like when I was younger, I, I tried to choose the more sensible path. And I was like, I'm going to do German and I'm going to get this great German-involved job. And I was kind of discouraged a bit from doing art because mm. people say, you know, you never make anything as an artist. And then, you know, mm. in the meantime, I started university in 2009. In the meantime, Etsy took off, you know, Instagram, people using social media. It's actually creativity in the arts now has become a much more viable kind of income source. Mm um so I think that gave me something and you know people are always interested to see what other people are doing creatively whatever whatever you're making people are always so interested um so I definitely started with the um with my art and that's eventually led me into the career I'm in now where when I did get my green card I started um selling well I do mostly commissions of people's pets um but I, you know sell other, other just paintings that I've done I'm in an art shop here um in my city just selling I think at the moment I've got a sea life um collection going so it's sea lions otters that kind of thing mm. octopus in there 
Um, so that was nice. That was kind of like getting something for myself. Um, but then, you know, when you were talking about feeling quite small and becoming, a, I think you're almost like a shadow of yourself. I think trying to take room up again was a big thing. Um, so it's hard when you've been long distance with someone for so long, your lives are intertwined, but they are so separate. Like your financial struggles are yours. Like, you you know, he wasn't even with the same currency as me, half our relationship. So we didn't really cross finances very much. We didn't need to. And then all of a sudden it's like, right, well, now you depend on him for everything. And it was like, Ugh. Mm. and um, I would, I would like try and, you know, like order cheap things from the restaurant if we're going out to eat. Or I would like be trying to do things at home that would save us money and like always just trying to justify everything. And like, I know this is so silly, but I know, obviously I know how much my husband earns an hour. So I'd be like, right, Andre's been at work for half an hour and that's what it would take to earn this. So is this really worth it? And I would like constantly be trying to justify myself, my existence here, his wife. And like, really he, you know, he bought me here he he asked me to marry him he married me you know he wanted me here um but I think you, you kind of get into this headspace of oh like I'm so useless because I'm not doing anything I mustn't take up any room and I must make sure everything's is just so and I think allowing myself to take up a bit more space I mean like now we're in my studio that even that was a bit of a, a thing to start with it's in the basement in my condo um I felt like it's not fair to him to take up a room which like why he doesn't he doesn't have anything to put <laughs> not to be horrible he doesn't have anything to put in here um so I think bringing getting my my space for myself was fantastic and my creativity and having room and things like that but then also taking up space in life which I think it's not just an immigrant thing I think it's a thing for a lot of women we feel like we need to make ourselves as small as possible um, so trying to like make a conscious effort to overcome that also really helped, I guess. Mm. And I, I, you know, I try it with Andre, and I'd be like, I want, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna order the steak. I'm going to order. order the steak or something like that." You know, to get something more expensive, and he's like, "Yeah." But I'm almost like still seeking permission for it. But I, and I'd like test the water. Like, is this allowed? Like, of course it is. Like, we're married. We share money. It's fine. Um, but. Like I think mentally, really, really, really having to just say to myself, "You get to take up room. You're allowed to exist." Was just like a massive. Uh, I don't even know how to how to describe it. Just uh, something that became important to me mm. for my own sense of self was take take up space. You okay? That's why. Mm. That's yeah. that's a really interesting way of wording it. Um, because um, I think I kept. I, I didn't word it like that, but I can see myself in that because I kept questioning how I was meant to make a difference. Um, you know, where cabin crew, you know, I know people think we lead a glamorous life and and all the rest of it, but I think most cabin crew want to make a difference. You want to be of service to the customers. Yeah. Yes, you want to enjoy the the experience when you get to another location. But a lot of yeah. it for for many of us was also about the journey not just the destination and yeah and when you come from different walks and and you were exploring 
teaching and you know mm -hmm. I've been a teacher before all, all the things I've ever done I correlate them in one package as customer service and then all of a sudden you're like well where am I making a difference what am I contributing to society and mm -hmm. it's a it's a kind of an odd sensation to yes. go through yeah. um and um and then to ask yourself how you do that so I went through very similar thought processes to you um and you know, and I had, and I've actually had to listen to other people. I had only in passing a friend said to me yesterday, you know, wow, you know, you, you just chose to accompany your husband. Not everybody would choose to do that. And I hadn't really thought about it like that. Cause obviously that was a, uh, of course yeah. I'm going to do that in for me. Um, yeah. and, um, and, and, it, and it's been worth it. So but it was interesting to have another perspective of what we have contributed. We have contributed just in rocking up, <laughs> just showing up. You do think, um, no, actually, you have done something. And sometimes it takes somebody else to realise that. Like, I'm, I am close to my family. I've got three sisters at home, my parents, my granny. And I left it all behind to come here. Um, and it's very easy to look on paper and be like, right, you live in California. Like, I'm from a really tiny village in Lincolnshire. So that in itself is just like, whoa, like, that's amazing. And, you know, I don't work and it, it all looks like so great for me. Um, and like, he's the one that's working. He's the one that's from here. He's the one that's, you know, coordinated the visa. Um, but actually just because my life in Lincolnshire didn't sound so glamorous as maybe it does now here in California like it, it was a heck of a lot to give up and I think you, you have to kind of pat yourself on the back for that and give yourself mm. credit like yeah I did just have to leave to a different country mm. um and like you said a lot of people wouldn't do that mm. well done us yeah well done us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but you only see all of that when you've emerged from the piece of what you were saying about making ourselves small you know when we're no mm -hmm. longer doing that then we are acknowledging ourselves for what we have and exactly. do contribute and um and then when we give up the waiting game even with or without a job I think your brain just starts popping and you start having ideas for what the future will hold and 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 you start being in action like you started to paint and draw as a relief, yeah. as a as a way of doing something different other than looking at your phone. So it might not have been and you also spoke very powerfully about being in the moment. So my experience of when I paint, which has been some years in the past, but I just disappear. I'm just in the moment completely. I'm in the painting. So, you know, and that that any worries, any thoughts, any they're all gone. There's just a focus. So it must, uh, well, I'm assuming it was quite therapeutic to suddenly kind of cease the conversations about waiting and, and putting yourself down to being someone who was in the moment, being creative. Um, and did, did you have any idea at that point it was going to become your vocation? Um, do you know what? At the beginning, I had a couple of people say to me that, oh, yeah, yeah, you should do this when your green card comes to start a business. And I just felt like, uh, I think this is something as well. We're talking about people being really attached to their jobs in the States. People try and monetize stuff quite a lot. So I was just like, no, I don't I don't know that I really want to 
you know have that kind of pressure um to produce something for other people and like do I want to monetize something that I get so much joy out of so right. yeah it was something that I didn't really I didn't I, it was quite precious at the beginning I didn't really want to think about monetizing it because it felt too clinical it felt like am I going to ruin this hobby for myself but then it, it did sort of evolve when my green card actually came uh, I sat and had a conversation with um my husband and we decided that yeah maybe we would maybe we would give it a go so yeah that's how it came about really mm. and um how how did I mean I know you paint pets so you paint cats yeah. dogs guinea pigs yeah snakes I don't know whatever some well in America people <laughs> have tigers as pets so who knows but um no seriously um do you do you how did the seals come about because you also mentioned that you paint seals oh yeah do you know what I just I really I am a very big brush strokesy person I like squeezing the paint tube and just getting it straight on the on the canvas uh I like bright colors and um we took my sister this year she came to visit we decided to go to the aquarium um and they, I, I was just totally enthralled by it. I got this idea I think I started off with jellyfish and it's the way that they're in these dark rooms with this light on top so every, all of the water looks kind of very dark blue or black and the jellyfish like the light was just it was just so beautiful on them um and I was like yeah I'm gonna I want to paint that and then we're kind of continuing around the aquarium and I'm just like snapping little shots of octopus, which I just, I just, I don't know, I'm just into octopus. I just, I like them. <laughs> um, but then, you know, we were, we, the, the aquarium that we were at was the San Francisco Aquarium. And then, um, you know, when you go out of Fisherman's Wharf, there's all those sea lions just there on the, Mm. what are they on like they, they've the got their own thing. little um yeah, yeah they've got their own little docking area now yeah. to go and sit on so I was showing them I was like come on let's go and see the sea lions um so I started getting pictures of those and they're just I don't know there's certain animals that just really draw me in that they just have such an attitude you know they kind of like sit with their heads up and they're like here I am <laughs> um and I was like I, yeah this is what I need to paint and I, you know I'm, I'm used to painting fur and stuff like I paint a lot of animals like I said pe uh, pets cats and dogs mostly um and so I was like yeah I'm gonna give a sea lion a go and uh yeah that's mm. so that's <laughs> that's how we got the inspiration for that but I think you know having the freedom to to work full-time as an artist you do start to look at things so much like I, I can make this into something um, and I can you know share it it's not just a snap mm. on your phone anymore it's, it becomes more than that which is nice mm, absolutely yeah yeah no, it's very inspiring what what would you say is um in in all you know we we've been in quite an international setting and yeah. um and we've seen many different cultures and things like that and now that we're in America and obviously states are very different I almost feel like moving from one state to another state is like moving a country but oh, God, yeah. what are some of the things or what is one thing you've picked up on in America it might be specific to California I don't know that you really like so if I give you my example um, yes give me yours I, I one of the things I absolutely adore about this this place and I'm assuming it's America wide is if if you open a door for somebody if, if somebody opens a door for, for me I will obviously mm -hmm. say thank you but that person will complete the communication 
and they'll say, you're good. Yeah. Not a problem. You're welcome. There, there will be a, another communication. If I get off a bus and I say to the bus driver, have a good day, the bus driver yeah. will say something. Thank you. You too. Yeah. yeah. Go well. Something. It will never be in England. I might say something like that and there's no real response or there's a physical response through a smile. Yeah, or a nod. Yeah. Yeah, or a nod. Yeah. Like so, how do you, um, and what have you discovered that is a trait you really or quality you really like? I really like, and I again, I think this is probably nationwide for the United States, is the uh, celebration culture. So, I think, you know, everything is so excited. And I think part of that becomes comes from being this such a young nation. You know, things like July 4th is just like all out, let's go crazy, let's all get together. Um, and we just don't have that same sense in England. And I think we take a lot of our culture for granted and we don't um, we don't really celebrate it. Um, and I think, I don't know, people are just really quick to just, to just throw a party here, not, not just, not just like an actual party, but like to just have celebrations and have certain foods and have get-togethers, and and I really enjoy it. I mean, I think there can be a bit of a downside where you see nowadays. Nowadays, I think a lot of I've seen a lot of Americans kind of get annoyed. It's like, oh god, I'm in someone's wedding and I have to pay this much and that much. Where we don't expect that in England. Um, you know, pay for your bridesmaid dress. We wouldn't make someone do that. Um, so it can it, it can it does have a flip side but on the whole I just love that people are so quick to to get together and to celebrate I, I really really like that and like uh the same thing I would say with going to a baseball game like they're not the most thrilling sports matches you know they're kind of long they're quite they can be quite slow but it doesn't matter it's so accessible you could you know you can spend like 10 bucks on a ticket and you can get up and move around and they have the um I guess things that it's in every in every game like we do the national anthem we do um you know take me out to the ball game that song comes on like people just get up and get the hot dogs everyone's just having a good time together you don't even need to really be interested in the thing that you're doing mm. but it's like let's all just be part of it mm. And I, I love that. I absolutely love that. I think one of my when I first moved to this city I was invited to a football like it was the kickoff of the college football season um, party. And I was like, what do I bring? Like, what do I wear? Do I need like the the sports top? <laughs> this is like three years later and I'm like, sports, the sports top? I don't know. Um, but they're like, no, just come, just come bring, you know, some beers. We'll have a great time. And I just didn't really know anything. And I, and I, and I did, I did have a great time. I love that. Mm. So would you say that that kind of experience is having you feel settled now? Because now you have been here, what did you say at the beginning? Three or four years? Already? Yeah, it'll be four years this year at mm. the end of the month. Yeah, I feel very settled. I think a lot of people here are asking me if I miss home. I still feel such a strong connection to home. Um, you know, you're reminded every day here that you're British. It's not even something that you think about ever <laughs> when you're home. Um so you already you're always kind of talking about it a little bit to people anyway. So you you do feel that connection of you know great like a FaceTime a lot back home. So I feel quite grounded being here because my relationships at home are so good. 
Mm. Um, but then also, I, I think having my, I, I kind of moved in and already had a support system because I was marrying an American. Um, you know, I think I said to you before we started recording, if something goes wrong, I'll call my father-in-law. I'm like, Dad, which is exactly what I'm doing with my own dad in England. Um, so I think I did, I did kind of move with that, but then also being able to branch out and make my own friends mm. who aren't anything to do with him, who don't like share our surname. <laughs> um, and just, I guess, just get involved, get involved in sports games and get involved in like going hiking and, and seeing what the area is that we live in. Um, I definitely feel very settled here. I def- mm. like, definitely call it home. Mm. Um, and I went home last year for three weeks and it was my first time in three years. Um, and actually, I had such a wonderful time. But by the end, I was like, yeah, I'm ready to get home now, meaning back here, which was it was a really, really nice feeling. That is but how about you? I mean, you're a year in. Um, well, I'm a year in and we're on a temporary contract. I feel yeah. like we are serial, serial moving country people, you know, <laughs> like I think we enjoy living somewhere for a time and investing in that, you know, investing our time yeah. and our energy into what we're doing while we're where we are. Um, and then we tend to move on. So um or move back but I think our next move in a few years time will be not moving back but moving on um to another country (laughs) so um, yeah um do you think I heard this saying a while ago and I really feel it implies to me and I'm wondering if it is for you but home becomes a person and not a place and I I very very much feel like that with Andre and when I was before I moved here that mental ability to just like relax is um it's been with him mm. so where, wherever he is I guess is home do you, I mean do you have that feeling uh, 100% completely that feeling I think um it's a very interesting question because as I grew up I was very privileged I had a lovely upbringing and, yeah. and my mum created home so I had a sense of home but from the age of 18 and moving away I never had that sense of home because I was always in and out of rented accommodation for years and years and years and um, I have never purchased a property so you know I've always this lived this kind of um, style of renting and um, and my husband and I used to say sometimes we'd live somewhere but we would say we don't feel at home so the finding of a home that was our physical place was very important however the two of us always feel at home with each other and um, Michelle Michelle Obama says something amazing in a conversation with somebody about um, how she feels uh, you know home was where Barack is and I shouldn't quote her but you know something in that vein and when she said it I was like I couldn't say it better and you're saying the very similar thing and yeah I think it's it's incredibly grounding that yeah you know if your if your heart is at home the rest will follow you know so um everything else will kind of work itself out um so I I do feel very at home because my husband's here he's very happy in his move here so that makes sense and that that ends up being like an anchor if he was unhappy here then it would throw everything into kind of why we're here. But because he's so happy, then that's like the pull of gravity for me to just be like, well, find your way because this is where we are now. Um, And, you know, and it's 
an opportunity to embrace and explore. And to be honest, having emerged from the smaller conversations that we were referring to, I actually feel very privileged, you know, that, um, um, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I have been up until now bound by not being someone who was allowed to work. And those constraints don't feel strong anymore because I'm more aware of the privilege of, you know, well, it's not, you know, when I couldn't work well, I can't work. And <laughs> what yeah, yeah, I do? yeah. But it took me a while to get into that headspace. Um and um but it's it's a wonderful place to now be where I can explore and discover and feel very grateful to my husband that he is able to provide, but also more so that I do exactly as you said, feel at home wherever he is. Um, and that makes moving countries exciting because wherever we go next, so long as we're both happy with it, then yeah. I know we'll be at home because, you know, so. It's, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's so sweet. Yeah. But I'm delighted you feel that way because, you know, you, you're, you know, you are married to an American. Of course, you can go anywhere in the world and being an artist that really opens up avenues you know you can take yeah. that career with you now um you're not giving up on anything so to speak it can go with you but the fact that you are marrying an American and have discovered your way and have made a career of your own choice and like you said you are responsible for how your experience of life is and whether you're 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 it's up to us to make ourselves happy. So um, I really hear that yeah. in everything you've said. And it just is a discovery. It doesn't just happen overnight, but, you know. Um, no, so and I think well when done. you look back, I don't, oh, thank you. I don't, I don't know if you've, you've felt this way, but um, I try and look back at the beginning of my time here and think about all of the things that made me so nervous to start off with. I think it's important to do that in life anyway. Like I remember getting my job offer at British Airways and thinking oh my god I can't I can't I just can't believe I've done this I can't believe that was me um and then all of a sudden you're in the uniform and you're doing the job in your sleep um and I found it really I find it driving here I get quite reflective because uh the landscape physically is so different um so we were in the Sierra Nevada once up in North California and um I think I was just doing something really mundane, like going to the supermarket. So uh, my husband's family have got a cabin up there and he was just doing like, you know, stuff men like to do in cabins, like chop wood. And um, <laughs> I went off to the supermarket on my own and that was just something that really terrified me at the beginning because I'm like, you know, it's icy up here the the landscape so different like am I going to stay on the right side of the road and I would just so want Andre to be there with me and then all of a sudden you just like driving around and now oh my gosh like this mountainscape is just incredible and like I can't believe how how far I've come where I'm not thinking mm. about any anything of just like getting in the car and doing it yeah um this is my life now like this is where I live this is you know you're just like oh it just blows your mind like, mm. look and then again you have to pat yourself on the back like look how far you've come and mm. you know I think probably for Andre it was no big deal he grew up he grew up going up there so he's like you know why would you be scared getting in the car um and just like driving this very simple route and 
Um, so, you know, you have some things, they aren't so scary for some people, but like to just remember it for yourself how far you've come and like the person that you started off as mm. um is it's just so beneficial I think mm. well, always always definitely I feel like it's just always good for the soul to just give yourself a pat on the back always <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely charting our own progress and the progress yeah yeah mm. wonderful well Katie thank you very much um for being with me today and exploring our kind of shared journey with its um where you know shared and its differences yes i don't know what i mean that's another thing i still feel like i have to pinch myself like gosh nearly a decade ago me and you were sitting in that cold building i remember what was it called crane bank (laughs) but now defunct and so like nervous about every little thing you know god what if i fail this door exam and like now I don't know now we're just sitting here mm. across the pond mm. we've just we've just taken such a similar path in life it's so mm. it, I just I love that mm. it's fantastic I think it's it's just so funny that you know almost a decade ago now we were these nervous brand new flight attendants you know scared about every little thing we were doing there's so many exams and, and we were so kind of um uh, just scared about it all and you know, a decade later we've lived the life and we're both ended up taking very similar paths here we are both are in the states mm. I'm proud of us as well yeah I am as well and it's <laughs> really lovely to be reunited with you as well absolutely absolutely mm. Mm. so I want to say thank you that you've been in this conversation with me and I'm still looking forward to the day when you get to paint one of the pedigree dogs in my neighbourhood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I think there's going to be quite a number of people interested in um, these very personal um, portraits you do of their very precious pets. Um, so I think it's a wonderful um, career that you're forging. And I'm really happy um, as your friend that you're settling in so well into California. So thank you for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Claire. Thank you.